where nobody knows your name is not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And oh boy, oh boy, James, this is a big episode. I th- we say this word a lot, but I think in this one it's more true than ever in that it's a classic Cheers episode. Yes, certainly. One hugs, the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. I can sense a bar fight already. <laughs> this episode was directed by James Burroughs and written by Sherry Utchin and Bill Steinkilner, released on January the 30th, 1992. And yeah, this is an episode about sort of uncovering the past of a particular member of the Cheers roster. Mm. We get to find out a bit more about Fraser Crane. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. The, the past... Because he entered our lives just as this slightly whimsical psychiatrist. But what do we really know about Frasier? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we uncover in this episode. Yeah, you said it's a classic episode. You can kind of tell just from... This is the first watch for me. So I, I got very surprised in this episode. One of the bigger bombshells that we've had in Cheers for a while, I guess. I'm trying to think of what the last biggest bombshell we had would be Robin insider trading I guess yeah probably I think that's probably like a it pivoted the season didn't it that yeah that bit it's a bit of a wild episode actually well yeah <laughs> it's a very energetic episode <laughs> I tell you what, before we get into the main episode, James, should we talk about the cold open? Yes. Because the first line is, this is sick, just stop harassing me, and it's Carla on the phone. Someone is uh, harassing her Mm. on the phone at Cheers, and she says, stop calling me at work, otherwise I'll call the authorities on you. And I think think what it does well is it it plays to our expectations, and Cliff and Norm ask, oh, which one of your kids was it kind of thing? That's the joke we expected. That's the punchline we expected. Expecting it to be Anthony or Mm. Gino, one of the troublemakers. But what we get instead is she goes, like, that's not my kids. And they go, oh, Bill Collector. No, no. We find out it's uh, Mama Loza Pony. Up to her old tricks again. (laughs) We've met Mama Loza Pony, and I would never talk to her like that. She's a scary woman. She is. She is. (laughs) You don't mess with Mama. Rebecca is sort of horrified, but also impressed a little bit, I think you'd say. Yeah, she goes, I'd never talk to my mother like that. Can you call her? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she doesn't think she can show her mother the same, I put a word here, chutzpah, <laughs> tenacity. She's very much shown as a character who struggles to, to talk up to people or sort of have a backbone in a lot of situations, I guess. Conflict averse, isn't she? Mm, but Carla has no issue with that. And I'm guessing she's going to now yell at Mama How. Sounds like it's a title of a bony. M's song. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a short cold open, which means we know it is a jam-packed episode full of sort of plot twists and reveals. So should we dive into the main episode, James? Yes. First things first, the Crane family circus enters. They they introduce themselves as that. A great way to introduce the family. I, I love it when we see all the Crane family come in. There is a moment in this very like in this scene, this beginning bit, where Lilith is holding little baby Crane and he's wearing a suit. And because of the way she's holding him, he looks like he's got huge shoulder pads. And that just made me laugh. It's the early 90s, John, you know. <laughs> big square shoulders, big little baby crane. I had a, uh, my christening suit is still in the wardrobe somewhere. At some point I was like, I, I don't fit into this anymore. Bear in mind, I was in my 20s when I pointed out, I don't fit in this anymore. <laughs> uh, my mum was like, put it some memento on rank. Well, it's just sitting there. So what we did was I put it on a on a teddy bear. <laughs> so there's this, there's this teddy bear in my parents' house just in this, you know, <laughs> nice little suit. <laughs> Looking very fancy. It's, it's nice, but it's also slightly creepy. It is, yeah. <laughs> but I laugh every time I see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Sam welcomes the Crane family circus and surprises them with tickets to Nanny G's 1992 Tickle Tummy Tour. Way! <laughs> I think that's one of the things is that the, the Crane family circus isn't complete without Sam Malone. For some reason, you know, that, that's, that's kind of known now. He's, he's very much whittled his way into being part of the family. Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, yeah. And I like <laughs> I like that he has bought these tickets. I like that he's excited to spend time with Freddie for his birthday. Someone's not quite as excited to go to uh, the Tickle Tummy Tour. Fraser don't like mirth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not He's not delighted with the idea of children's entertainers, really. And he sort of says, when I grew up, I saw Peter and the Wolf and like all these sort of ballets and operas. And Lilith's approach to this is very sort of different where she goes, the show is seeing your child's face light up at the delight of seeing a children's entertainer. I never went to any sort of children's concerts growing up, but the Wiggles were on TV a lot. And I think that's kind of comparable to what Nanny G is. Yeah, Wiggles... Singing Kettle is a one in Scotland. Uh, I think the closest children's entertainer I've met is, it's a weird name, but but John Tickle off of Brainiac is probably the closest. And he's not a children's entertainer. He's just a dummy top. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not an entertainer. He's a physicist. He just did a entertaining science show aimed at... Everyone. Uh, yeah, aimed at everyone, but tonally... <laughs> for children. It's a very mm-hmm. very funny show, I guess you'd say, like slapstick humour, but with science. Yeah, very farcical. Um, yeah, met him when he was doing a talk on physics. I realised that, uh, <laughs> that I'm becoming more and more like Fisher as this gonna, anecdote goes on. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think it was directly aimed at kids, James, because the Will It Float was a bit, bit sort of saucy, where they dropped fruit. My, into, with the smiling class, the former yeah. model. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no response. <laughs> Little James going, I want to go to the Tickle Tubby Tour. Ew, <laughs> daddy boy. Yeah, we know why you're here. And I think but, I met Lenny Henry once, again, not a children's entertainer, but an entertainer nonetheless. <laughs> well, anyway, what we do find out from this sort of opening scene is that the Tickle Tummy Tour, there's a song that goes with it, which is uh, incredibly catchy. Who would you like to see more than anyone else on your second birthday? Oh, Sam, you got tickets to the Nanny G concert, the 1992 Tickle Tummy Tour. There's <laughs> Tommy, life is kind of yummy. When you feel a tummy, just look up and, and laugh, laugh a lot. <laughs> Somebody hand me a blunt instrument, please. Here you go. Use it label side up so it doesn't crack. Thanks, you're a doll. Frazier uh, says that he hopes one day, when Frederick is in his mid-twenties, he'll uh, come to Frazier after Frazier's, you know, refuse to take him to any concerts. He'll go, Father, let's go see Bobby Short at the Carlisle. This was not to be. <laughs> um, one, because I, I think that's an odd phrase, an odd sentence. And also, Bobby Short died in 2005 when Frederick would have been a teenager. However, it was after the events of Frasier the Show, so maybe just after Frasier ended, they went to see him. We can, we can hope. Yeah. But we find out that there's another fan of uh, Nanny G in the bar, a very excitable fan, Yeah. Woody. Yeah, which is innocent, and it's nice to see Woody's naivety again, because I feel in recent episodes you've seen him taken on new responsibility and new desire for an adult life, you know, what with uh, the proposal and everything. So mm. it's nice to see this uh, childish side of him that we oh, saw in the yeah. first season. We find out in stark contrast to the adult life he's living, he sees Nanny G previously in the Itsy Bitsy World concert. Oh. <laughs> And he's kind of smitten with her in a way, like a childhood sort of smitten kind of crush on Nanny G, which is sort of a slightly endearing, naive sort of idealization that he's got, I guess you'd say. Yes. 
he becomes quite re- he becomes quite regressive with the idea of like seeing her music or or these kind of things. Well, it can take you back, John. I imagine if you heard a Wiggles thing, you'd you'd be with joy. Actually, I know for a fact because uh, because of your Disneyland story. Yeah, that's true. Nostalgia yeah. can hit you in waves, can't it? It can. It can. I was going to say, I don't remember my youth, <laughs> but but I'm sure if something did come up, I'd feel nostalgic nonetheless. Arthur, the animated show. When I hear the theme tune for that, that that's, feels nostalgic. You know the you one. Yeah, yeah. Every day was... when I'm walking down the street. Add it to the playlist. <laughs> Along with the Wiggles. Yes. <laughs> so they go to the concert hall, which is supposed to be Boston Music Hall. I don't think it is. I think it's a theatre in LA, <laughs> which they've made to look a bit like a musical. Yeah, that's sort of a, I'd say quite a low budget stage sort of set. It's just lots of seats, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, in terms of what's actually on stage, Nanny G's sort of stage area. Yes, yes. It's all flat, 2D sort of scenery. They're not going to have a kind of uh, proscenium gauze, is that the word? Uh, well, we'll take it for the word because I have no idea what it means. What do you, what do you mean by that? It's a curtain which can be uh, seen through one direction, but not another. So depending where you shine the light on it, you can only see through it. It's like a one-way mirror, but curtain. A magic curtain. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Frage is still sort of in a sort of slightly pessimistic mood, but uh, he sat there, Sam on one side, Lilith on the other, and little Freddy next to Lilith yes. by the aisle. And I find this seating a little bit strange. I would have thought it would have been Lilith, Freddy, Frasier, Sam. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we'll forgive that for now. But Woody's also there and he's talking to them going, oh, wow, you guys got great seats. And he's basically up in the nosebleeds, you know, way up in the rafters. The nosebleeds? I've not heard it called that before. Yeah, way up in there. That's what it's called, isn't it? So-called because they're looking down a lot? It's in reference to mountain climbers getting nosebleeds from high altitude. Well, that's not as fun. <laughs> but there you go. I did a, a reference correctly. That's that's one win for me today, I think. But, um, <laughs> You've won this episode. <laughs> so me and um, me and Barry went and saw Flight at the Concords. Oh, yeah. And um, we bought tickets off someone from work. And we arrived and we were literally the back row of a stadium. Did they not tell you where your seats were? Uh, they did, but like we didn't we didn't look on a it was oh, like section H row yeah. whatever. It's like we we didn't have a map and we arrived and I'm really glad we went. Like the, the yeah. seats were fairly cheap, you know. Like and yeah. it was great to see them, but it was like man, I wish I had some opera glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so it was well worth seeing whilst they were touring. It was when they did that sort of brief comeback uh, a couple of years ago. But yeah, we were in the nosebleeds, much like Woody in this now. But he's trying to he, he's down in front trying to sort of barter with. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone to try and swap seats. And he ends up offering Freddy $10. And Lilith just kind of gives him a stern, a stern in look, maybe. Um, yeah, wordplay. Hey, uh, these are nice seats. Aren't they, though? I don't suppose anybody would want to trade me. You know, someone who wasn't, say, as devoted a lifelong fan as I am. Sam, you could at least make eye contact. <laughs> hey, Freddy, I'll give you 10 bucks. Hey, Woody, Woody. <laughs> We see the performance begin and immediately Frasier is quite sort of, he's, he's still a bit miserable. Yeah. But Nanny G sort of, I was going to say walks on stage. Dances. Yeah. Dances onto stage. And he goes, I recognize that person. Yeah. Well, she, she enters and does the typical, we can't hear you. Very <laughs> pantomime. That's it is quite thing. pantomime. Yeah. That's another thing for my youth, pantomimes. 
I remember them. Actually, yes. yeah, I think this is this is pantomime is probably the closest thing to this that I went to, and I suppose that's something quite unique to UK as well. I don't think a US audience particularly do pantomimes very much. Mm, no, I wouldn't wouldn't think so. Should we should we describe a pantomime, but in the it's, sort of most most confusing way? I reckon. <laughs> I'll try to explain it quite straight. It's usually based on a fairy tale, and it's a slapstick sometimes with a lot of innuendo, take on a pantomime, I guess is the easiest way to <laughs> explain what, what's expected from Yeah, like t- typically um, the word dame in the UK, like a dame, is yeah. like a woman who's been um, honoured by the queen. But in the context of a pantomime, it's a man dressed up as a woman. Quite, and usually quite a large woman. Called Widow Twanky, typically. Well, yeah. And she normally um, owns a sort of a wash or laundromat kind of vibe. But no, yeah, you're right. Um, so much, the context of dame in a, in a pantomime used to mean comedically large woman because it's played by a man has taken taken it to mean a common term for any drag acts such as Lily Savage uh, Edna Everidge who is Australian but you know I've got an important question James yeah when you were at the pantomime mm-hmm. you only get a tennis racket and like volley sweets into the crowd oh as in the dame volley sweets yeah, into yeah. the crowd did you right. catch one James I don't think we did that we didn't have a large hall so they usually just threw them <laughs> Or walked into the crowd with a tennis racket at the audience, like that. No, no, they just walked in, walked into uh, the crowd while they were doing a number and threw sweets around. Yeah, I thought Scottish pantomimes would be more wild, but they seem a bit tamer. Well, you don't know what the after parties <laughs> are like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the the vibe. Everyone's up and dancing and singing at this show with Nanny G, and everyone's loving it. Fraser's a bit sort of he's he's pondering and thinking where he knows her from, and we get this sort of perfectly timed line. <laughs> seen her before. Where? Where? I hate it when this happens. Fraser, please be quiet. I'm trying to hear the lyrics. Oh my god, I know who she is. That's Nanette Gooseman. Who? My first wife. Who? Uh, I was just talking to Sam. And what were you saying to Sam? Your first wife? Wow. Isn't that a kid? I thought I was your first wife. Played by Emma Thompson. Yeah, which is... I mean, actually, I'm not sure where she is in her career at this point. Well, I'll go into it in a, in a bit. But she's she's done a few comedies in the UK um, because she was part of the Footlights. Um, so of the same class, you could say, uh, graduation mm-hmm. class, as uh, Stephen Fry, Bobby Coltrane, Hugh Laurie, um, Ben Elton, that ilk. And she does a great job in this episode. As soon as she comes on stage, I mean, she's playing a performer in the stage, like in the, in the show itself. So she brings sort of a hyper energy... But that continues all the way through, really. She played Nanny G, but in later years, she uh, would appear in an adaptation of a children's book called Nurse Matilda. And uh, the film changed the title's character's name to Nanny McPhee, which is similar to Nanny G, phonetically. And she portrayed McPhee 13 years later, again, in the sequel. There you go. Some some coincidences. And want to hear more coincidence? Want to hear more coincidence? Yeah, of course, James. Rhea Pullman was in the film Matilda. Huh? Mm. And Emma Thompson was in the remake. Huh? 
I think that's a lot of connection. I think you've got to sort of do the con- conspiracy uh, on your walls there, James. Coincidence? I think not. But yeah, she's. I think she's. Is she a dame? She might be a dame, James. Emma Thompson. She will be. Like, if she's not already, she will be one day, I think. Here we go. Here we go. Yep, she is a DBE, Dame of the British Empire. There you go. Very different kind of dame than a pantomime, though. Yes, but, yes. But she is sort of held up as one of the great actresses and actors come from the UK, really. I'd say so, yeah. She's won many, many awards. Become known to a newer generation as Trelawney in Harry Potter, you could argue. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in Love Actually, where Alan Rickman broke her heart. Well, Alan Rickman's not the only person who broke her heart, James, because uh, Fraser Crane might have done the same thing. We found out she's an ex-wife, but we don't know the story yet. Lilith hears Fraser say, she's my ex-wife, and says, what? Yeah. So we, we we find out this is news to Lilith as well as us. And it kind of opens up this sort of quite chaotic sort of unfolding, because Fraser, to get out of the situation, begins to really enjoy the show. I I just think his nostalgia took him. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I just couldn't seem to find the right time. I just love you so much that you made me forget that there ever was another woman. Oh, serve it on toast. <laughs> The only thing that could make this worse is if Nanny G realised Fraser was in the audience. Oh, yeah. yeah well, that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Uh, and she decides to sort of come off the stage and meet the throw audience. S- throw sweets at all of them, yeah. <laughs> Hand them out one by one. Now, she goes around shaking people's hands. I'm totally unrelated. It reminded me of a little bit in The Simpsons, which is when... Do you know the, do you know the episodes where it's the Krusty's anniversary show thing? Vaguely. And Ralph takes Lisa. And Krusty goes, now for my favourite part of the show. What does I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, that's always death. <laughs> Is that the one you can see where his heart rips in half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season four, episode 15, I Love Lisa. Well, there you go. But yeah, that, just a slight moment that reminded me of that. But she steps into the audience and starts shaking people's hands as she's uh, singing a song. And then she locks eyes with Fraser Crane. Locks more than eyes. <laughs> a big old kiss, I'd say. Both passionately embraced into. Fraser wasn't reluctant at all. There was no reluctance from him. Mm. He's a cad. As some would say. It's very much a mutual uh, kiss that sort of instantaneously happens at the same time. Yeah. Lilith's not happy. No, of course Lilith isn't happy. Whether ex-wife or no, Fraser's passionately kissing another woman. That's not on. We kind of see the the, um, the comeuppance of this as we go back into the bar later that day. We begin with um, Woody explaining how far back he was and how disappointed he was. He's like, she was shaking everybody's hand. She even kissed one guy in the front. <laughs> and we see Lilith sort of furious to the side. We don't forget, but sometimes the Cheers as a series doesn't embrace Bibi Newhoff's singing talents. Nice. And uh, we get her sort of a parody of her version of I Want to Shake Your Hand. I want to shake your hand, snatch you bald, I want to scratch your eyes out, I want to drain your blood and replace it with a mercuric chloride, formaldehyde and alcohol solution. (laughs) You had to be there. Carl is impressed. Yeah, Carl loves it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, it is it is that sort of it, it really leans into the episode title, which is you know one hugs the other doesn't. Lilith is not happy. No, she is not. <laughs> she doesn't show her uh, her joy most of the time, but she will certainly show when she is angry. I've known people like that. <laughs> Let's not go into it. Rebecca laments about her high school boyfriend, Corky Pasovac. In a similar vein, Corky saw his ex. And uh, then we move to so sort of Norm talks about the importance of marriage, I'm pretty sure as well. Yeah, after Rebecca doesn't go to the details, but sobs and runs away, which she yeah. predicted would happen, but just not that soon. And <laughs> we then, got to expect that, I think, with the Rebecca yeah. story. And then Norm surprisingly, yeah, talks about the uh, importance of marriage and the, I was going to think of a less callous way to say it than interpersonal contract. You know, essentially, it's a promise that you made to each other, you know. Mm. the support you give to each other and it's it's it comes we think from quite a sort of honest place of norm and i think it it, it does in in sentiment but we do find out and he got it from last week's matlock episode doesn't mean don't believe it <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> you know i believe with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> doesn't mean that I, I have to go well that was a great line from spider-man i'll uh I'll rephrase it, <laughs> put it into yeah. my own words. Yeah. Speaking of great lines, James, mm-hmm. I just want to appreciate a quick one from Lilith, which we will play. So Fraser was married to that. Oh, how would one describe her? Bitch. <laughs> I think in this episode we get one of Cheers's few times we hear the word bitch as well. Yes. Which I think whenever Cheers drops a... A slightly uncouth word. <laughs> yeah. They do it sparingly and they do it purposefully, I'd say. Yes. They choose their words. I was going to say wisely. That will do. They I pick and choose more, their moments, don't they? It's to reflect how upset Lilith is, you know? Yes. True. And... Yeah, she's she's not happy at all, and and Fraser kind of is trying to talk to her and says, um, so in other words, you don't want her to come in and apologise to you. And Lilith says no, and then the door opens and uh, Nanny G comes in. Lilith feels confident to talk about it because she feels secure in herself, which I do believe. I do feel Lilith feels secure enough in herself. But she also said she's had a wee bit of doers, which as a sentence appealed to me. What's a doers? <laughs> it's, a, it's a whiskey, I believe. Hell yeah. Yes, but Nanny G does enter and tries to apologise to Lilith. But in a way which I think emphasises... The differences. The differences. Storm over yet, time to make a rainbow. She, yeah, tries to cast a rainbow with with her wand and something. It's... Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the apology of, I guess I've always just been a kissy person, isn't necessarily a particularly apology. I wouldn't say. Yeah, no. I, I, surely she just need to say sorry. <laughs> that's that's all that's ne- really needed. But it, it, well, she she tries to do more than that. She tries to give a hug uh, after the lift. Kind of says, "I'm not a huggy person. Do not hug it's, me." Are you a huggy person? No. I've had this conversation. <laughs> I've not, had not, this... not not just <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I've had this conversation with a few people. I'm okay with uh, hugging people who I'm close to and that I that I show trust and comfort in so that it, you know, if I do hug someone it shows uh, a closeness to them. But you know, I pick and choose who I who I can hug. It was funny when I was leaving my parents' house after Christmas. I was saying goodbye to my sister, and we both just stood there, went bye, and we did a little wave, and we heard my mum snort, and both both of us were going, "Let's play this wave out as long as possible to make it 
<laughs> just make it awkward. And then my mum went hug each other and we laughed because we were like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we just embraced the, <laughs> embraced the awkwardness. Yeah, Lilith, very much not a huggy person. No, so we'd see sort of Nanny G sort of just constrict Lilith a bit because she doesn't reciprocate the hug. Uh, to, to Nanny G surprise a little bit, but in order to apologize, Nanny G says, I'll do a free concert for Freddie's birthday. And it kind of encroaches on Lilith. And she just wants a nice birthday with her son and her husband. Not too much to ask for. Uh, and instead it becomes sort of this uh, large party in Cheers where everyone's going to bring their kids. And it kind of gets planned before her eyes in many ways and sort of very much becomes the Nanny G show, I guess you'd say. Yes. I used to have a, like big children, but when I was very young, you know, because my, my, my sister's birthdays occur very close in the year. Different years, but very close within the year. So often, and I don't blame them for it, they, you know, we were too young to know or care. My parents would do joint birthday parties where they just went, just bring all, all the kids. And I remember that uh, one year there was a Thomas the Tank Engine shaped cake made out of marzipan. Right? Okay. Boy. And I, uh, in retrospect, I was like, I don't know uh, how many kids like marzipan, but my mum loves it. So I think... <laughs> So I think she made it for herself. Do you like marzipan? I do now, but... I used to love marzipan growing up. I do like a Battenberg. Mm. There's something about a Battenberg which appeals to me. It's the, it's, it's the construction tool of cakes, isn't it? Very organised cake. <laughs> I like to think that your Thomas the Tank Engine was Battenberg throughout. Maybe it was. Maybe. <laughs> You'll never know. You refused it because of the marzipan, James. I don't think I refused it. I just... <laughs> was surprised <laughs> you know i i, I think i uh, i think i more enjoyed the design than the eating of it but now i mean i like i like marzipan yeah it's made from um almonds i was very confused with uh, almonds okay <laughs> <laughs> greg almonds <laughs> The Almond Brothers band. But yeah, so this this party is going ahead and Lilith is quite upset about it, to be honest. But everyone else seems kind of thrilled. Carla's going to bring her twins. Norm's invited Vera's nieces and nephews. Uh, Sam's quite excited about it because he'll be there for Freddie's birthday. And Woody is kind of ecstatic because he loves Nanny G. That summarizes it well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a full bar. Yes. And uh, we go into this birthday party, and I suppose is is now a good time to talk about who's on the the invite list, James. Yes, yeah. You you ready for Emma Thompson's filmography? <laughs> I don't think we could ever be ready for Emma Thompson's filmography. All right, here we go. Deep breath. <laughs> and many, many, many more. <laughs> Emma Thompson as Nanny G. She also appeared in The Young Ones, Alfresco, Saturday Live, Tutti Frutti, Fortunes of War, Howard's End, Peter's Friends, The Remains of the Day, In the Name of the Father, Junior, Sense and Sensibility, Ellen, Treasure Planet, Love Actually, Angels in America, Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban, Nanny McPhee, Stranger Than Fiction, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, I Am Legend, Last Chance Harvey, The Boat That Rocked, Nanny McPhee Returns, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Remember Black 3, Brave, Saving Mr. Banks, Barney Thompson, Burnt, Bridget Jones's Baby, Beauty and the Beast, The Mayor of Its Stories, Upstart Crow, John English Strikes Again, Men in Black International, Years and Years, Last Christmas, Doolittle, Cruella, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, What's Love Got to Do With It, Matilda the Musical, and many more. That's a, that's a big one. I'm lightheaded. <laughs> Chris Graves and Kevin Graves as Frederick Crane, Paul Wilson as Paul Craypence, Thomas Tulek as Jesse Lebeck, Danny Kramer as Elvis Lebeck. Edward Joseph Durham as Kid on Norm's Stool. This is his only role, and I've got a bit of a trivia about him. Mm. Between being cast and being filmed, he 
her broker's arm and got a cast on it. But because this was filmed in LA, it was a Los Angeles Rams cast. Mm. So it was yellow and blue, which is why he's wearing a long sleeve jacket because the crew <laughs> were annoyed by this and tried their best <laughs> to hide the fact that uh, this kid in Boston was wearing an LA Rams cast. A lovely little known fact there, James. Jonathan Daniel Harris as kid at food table. He also appeared in Choice and was a writer for Totally Sketch. Jennifer Williams as mother. She also appeared in The Young and the Restless, Dangerous Woman, LA Law, Suddenly Susan, Race on the Fire, The Practice, Gilmore Girls, Star Trek Enterprise, Boston Legal, and many more. It's a, it's a great party scene because there's so much going on with it. I mean, the, the little Norm, as I'm going to call him, because he does sort of perfectly mirror Norm, and it's almost like a sort of, he's travelled back in time, and he's able to give the advice he wishes he got, which is, he get he kicks the kid off his bar stool, yep. and says, I he's wish someone told me that earlier on. Was he, what, seven years old or something? Yeah, around there. And Norm wishes that someone had done that to him when he was that age. When I was a kid, a clown asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Have I told you this? Have I told you my answer? I feel like, I know John Lennon said happy, but I don't know what you said, James. I, I was... <laughs> Toddler age, maybe six, something like this. And this clown, because it was my birthday, asked me what I wanted to be when I uh, grew up. And I said, quite deadpan, an adult. Uh, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to set my, my sights too high. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to avoid disappointment. And I feel I've achieved those dreams, just about, <laughs> as I'm approaching 30. <laughs> I think you've you've definitely achieved them, I'd say, James. But I, I knew my dad found it hilarious. He was a... <laughs> Where did this clown get his conscience from to ask a child such a question? Um, I don't remember what his response was, but I think <laughs> I think he broke character when that answer was given, because he went, ah, <laughs> just, okay. Uh, but, you know, I was honest. You know, I, I can't get over her becoming such a big star. Although she always had a gorgeous voice. Personality. God, she'd light up a room when she entered it. Really? I wasn't making a direct comparison, dear. It's you and you and Nanette are apples and oranges, but you are by far the finer of the two produce. And which one would that be? Uh, ap- fringes. <laughs> Allow me to preempt any further discussion by simply saying that you are the love of my life. And nobody, nobody could ever pry my eyes from your beautiful face. She's here! She's here! Just read the room, Frasier, you know. Uh, yeah, so Lilith is not not coping particularly well with this situation. And, and Frasier isn't helping. He's, if anything, he's, making it worse. He's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> But she comes in, everyone sort of rushes to her to see her, and Carla's twins get signed albums, signed records, which they take straight to... Well, they're, they're on the hustle already, aren't they? They're going to sell them straight they're away. opportunists, yeah. Little hustlers in the making, I'd say. Just just, just just sign that to your biggest fan, that'd be great. Go right, Alvis. I mean, that would, that would go, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> At the party, which Liv isn't okay with, there's a buffet table where... Uh, Norma Cliff are eating tuna sandwiches shaped like dinosaurs. I hear a little known fact coming on. Well, according to Cliff, the <laughs> tuna was a Pisces medaicus, which translates as lunch fish. He's wrong uh, on two counts there. Tuna in Latin is not Pisces medaicus, and Pisces medaicus is not Latin for lunch fish. <laughs> he just makes it up as he goes along, I think. If you said it with confidence, you know. 
<laughs> but yeah, him and Norma enjoying the party. I think I think it's a party for the adults and the kids, you know? Woody is getting a little bit annoyed at Nanny G because she comes in and uh, he says she's playing up to the younger audience and neglecting her, uh, I suppose, aged audience. But yeah, Woody's sort of uh, slightly upset and then she, she does... What is amazing, James? Sorry, was that a question or was that a statement? She does something amazing, which is she goes to Woody and talks to him very endearingly and goes like... You don't have to introduce us. I recognize this fellow. The next to last row of the balcony, section YY. I couldn't forget your smile, although I haven't seen it since. There it is! (laughs) I... I... I love you, Nanny G! (laughs) He's smitten. He sort of runs around the way a, a sort of small child would with this interaction. Yes. Joyously runs away, cheerfully and sort of shyly. And she goes, did he buy it? And then Sam just goes, yeah, he's an easy sell. It's interesting, right? He tells Nanny G he loves her. We know that Nanny G's a, a character, Nanette Guzman uh, being her actual name and Nanny G, a persona she puts on. But it does speak to how one can feel a connection and even a uh, an inspiration by these characters, you know. I'm sure you're aware of this, but you look at the classic Star Trek characters, you know, both Michelle Nichols and James Doohan have uh, spoke about how their characters influenced young black girls to see a positive role model, as mm-hmm. well as James Doohan as Scotty, the engineer, encouraged people to go into engineering. I think there's some beauty and honor in that because fundamentally I'd imagine that when uh, celebrities of any ilk feel the positive impact on others, particularly on an individual level, it's very rewarding. You know, and I think that's a nice thing. Just a bit of just a bit of sincerity, you know, for the cheer for this podcast episode. When do we get to the fight? That's what I want to know. <laughs> as long as they're placing bets. Yeah, because this, this episode is very much sort of like a it's bubbling to a conflict really, isn't it? Yes. And we see Lilith come to the end of her tether because Nanny G decides to do a song dedicated, supposedly, to Freddie. It's the first time ever I saw your face, which is a a romantic song. Yeah. And it's suspicious. Um, Another little known fact for you, right? Freddie is not the only uh, child of Frasier in that scene. Spencer Grammer, Kelsey's daughter, can be seen in a pink jumper sitting behind Sam. Oh, you've done some good research this episode, James. Uh, Went on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) Some good research. The first time ever I saw you I thought the sun rose in your eyes and the moon. Why is she looking directly at you? She isn't looking at me. She's looking in the general direction of our loving family. I think she's singing the song to you, Fraser. Oh, you're being paranoid. She's singing a lovely song to a two-year-old child. The first time ever I lay with you. All right, that's it. Stop the music. Leave my man alone. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Frazier, I've never stopped loving you. Well, maybe this will help. You know, I'm going to suffer for this tomorrow, but today, right now, this exact moment, I'm the happiest man on earth. 
well, you waited for the fight, John, and there it is. Yeah, and it's it's quite a, quite a, quite a big fight, to be fair. Yeah, one of the most violent fights we've seen in Cheers for a while. My mind's yeah. drawn back to Carla beating up a Yankee supporter, or Sam and Diane. Yeah, Eddie's fight. funeral. Yeah, Eddie's funeral. This and so it's it's it feels like it's sort of placed within that kind of tone. Frazier yeah. is loving it. Briefly, <laughs> <laughs> he says. Well, he says he's never been happier or something. Doesn't then he? he sees his, his wife and his ex-wife fighting over him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. He's just just on a couth throughout the whole episode. Couthless, you could say. Then we cut to the aftermath of the fight, where Frazier's got a large plaster on his head. Because hmm. at some point, they attacked him. <laughs> Which is too right, I'd say. Yeah, he didn't help the situation at all. This is sort of, we come towards the sort of conclusion with this, which is him trying to make it back up to Lilith by, what would you say? It's, it, it becomes a bit more sincere and a bit more honest. Oh, darling, I, I had to stop the two of you. Although I must say I'm proud to see you fight for me. It made me feel so loved. Of course, Nanette was pretty vicious too. Oh, but you were by far the most vicious. Thank you. Lilith, I, I should have told you about my first marriage before, but I just didn't think it was relevant to our lives today. Fraser, I know why you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me because you're a craven coward. You know me so well, it's frightening. <laughs> and we sort of see it coming to an end, and we find out that the Nanny G has left the present for Freddy, uh, which is a little sort of stuffed bear, much like your bear, James. Yeah. I didn't realise you set this up. Neither did I. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> much like your bear wearing your christening suit, it's a little bear that looks like Nanny G. <laughs> I once uh, left this bear on the sofa. Uh, put it in a kind of straw hat and put a martini glass in its hand. <laughs> but yeah, they reconcile with a hug, do Fraser and Lilith, which is nice. Mm. Then the doll appears and sings another little song. Yeah, which is, a, it's a catchy song. All of our songs are catchy, James. Oh yeah, yeah, she's, uh, I'll tell you what, Craig <laughs> Saffron was in his element this episode, wasn't he? And Shuri and Bill um, Steinkelner wrote the lyrics to a lot of the songs, so. Yeah, I mean, Cheers always has excellent music and we even get some sort of the, the classic Cheers theme but with the sort of motif of nanny g music to this episode as well which is brilliant but yeah we end with a song which is about getting lost you can always find home just remember your your number and uh we find out it's actually just a ploy to give fraser her number and what's that number james five 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 six seven nine two yeah everyone I was, remembers it i, I was i was pleased with that that was <laughs> As you can you can often remember a number with a catchy jingle. You can. I like, take route. Oh, oh one one eight nine 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 eight eight one nine 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 one one nine seven two five three <laughs> <laughs> See, I set, you, I set you up there with no faith that I would be able to do it, but I knew you would, James. <laughs> oh, look. It's little Nanny G doll. <laughs> <laughs> What's this bush here? Here's a silly little song to help you out when things go wrong. Isn't that cute? <laughs> She's giving you her phone number. No, she's not. She doesn't want you to forget it. But she's just using it as an example. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't do it. Oh. Gone and forgotten. Five, 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 six, seven, nine, two. Five, 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 six, 
Cliff, you're in a dancing mood. No, Cliff, we've heard all the songs. We've heard all the songs. So you've got a parcel. Oh, to where nobody knows your name from Nanny G. Well, but as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Can you name the titles of the four songs Nanny G sang in this episode. Oh, I want to shake your hand. Yeah. Uh, are we counting the one that's in the bear? In, in the doll? Yes, yeah. Uh, if you lost someone to call? You know, you know which it is. 5556792 is the title, <laughs> but you knew what the number was. Yeah. Uh, then the Tickle Tummy song. Oh, I'm going to need a title. Uh, tickle Tummy. Nah, it was tickle your tummy and laugh a lot. Uh, and then I don't know. I can't remember the fourth one. Did we oh, hear you, the fourth one or did we? We do hear the fourth one. It's the tune is. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I, I love the tune. Is it happy birthday? No. <laughs> is it it's your birthday? No, it's. Uh, Who's turning who is, two today? Who is turning two today? Yes, you got it eventually with very <laughs> little help. Who? Uh, yeah, with very little help. <laughs> A similar question, but about a very different song. In mm. Lilith's song and her rendition of I Want to Shake Your Hand, what does she want to do to Nanny G? Um, I know the last thing was prever- preserve her in a uh, formaldehyde type solution. Yes. Um, eye gouging? Uh, scratch your eyes out, yeah. Scratch her bald or something like scratch, yeah, scratch. Yes, snatch your bald. Uh, drain your blood and replace it with a mercuric chloride formaldehyde and alcohol solution. It's so catchy. Hey, jazzy. <laughs> I prefer that song, I think. What was the name of Nanny G's cat? The cat was called... Is it Bobo? Bobo Poor... Very close. Do you want me to give you a hint? It's a pun, but I can't, I can't remember it. Bobo Poor, son. Poor... It's not necessarily a pun. Do you want me to give you a hint? Yeah. What colour were the paws? Blackpaw. Bobo Blackpaw. Yeah, Bobo Blackpaws. It yeah. was a pun. It was Bobo, Bobo Black Sheep. Oh, Baba. Oh, never mind. Well, if it is a pun, it's a very <laughs> loose pun. James, my question for you is a, a question as old as time. What are Carla's earrings in this episode? Predominantly, I'm asking mainly for the cold open earrings. I'm not sure if they change. Green. No. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, well. They're bowling pins and bowling balls. How did I not get that? It's a classic. I tell you what, James, we've got one more letter here, and it's from our sponsor, Zencaster. And Zencaster is a podcast platform, so if you feel like you're a bit of an entertainer like Nanny G, why don't you start your own podcast with Zencaster? That's right, it's very user-friendly, great audio quality we get uh, from it from its inbuilt processing, which means, much like Nanny G, you can focus on your performance, and you don't need to worry about the technical aspects, like whether you have a 3D set, you can just, you know, set it recording, and off it goes. So if you want 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan, use the promo code NORM and go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing. So tickle your tummy. Life is kind of yummy. Use Zencaster. Not tagline. <laughs> Last call at the bar, James. How special. I don't know what to have this episode. I feel like it's a, an episode of two halves. 
Nanny G versus Lilith. And I, I, what, what side do you want to get a drink on? Black and tan came to mind, but that don't work, does it? Happy, sad cocktail. <laughs> I searched happy, sad cocktail. The first one which came up was one called Suffering Bastard. Well, I think we give that a miss, James, but I do have a, a cocktail which I think might be fitting for the episode. Yeah. A little tickle. Oh. It's a vodka and gin-based cocktail with a little lemon zest to garnish. Oh, tasty. Can't go wrong with a little tickle cocktail. <laughs> We're not going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this episode, James? It's just a funny phrase. Um, I liked it. As we said at the start, it's a classic episode. Uh, it's great to see. We always like the Fraser Lilith episode, but Emma Thompson came in swinging. She came in dancing. That's what I'd say. She didn't stop for the whole episode. She's an energetic one, isn't she? Yeah, she brought her A game with this episode, and it certainly paid off with a memorable episode, memorable performances. Yeah, just a really, a really jam packed episode, but it really focused on that Lilith Fraser dynamic, which I, I know I enjoy a lot. Are we toasting then to? Dame Emma Thompson. To, to Emma Thompson and Nanny G as a character. Great addition to the, the series. Looking forward to see the ramifications of this episode as well. Thank you for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.